You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. And welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to your good, true, and beautiful ancestral helping spirits, and I call out to my own. These are the people who lived well, who died well, who rose to meet the challenges of their time, who let those challenges bring out gifts they never knew they had to bring. I call out to these people and ask them to lean in to help us, the living, do what needs to be done in our own time. May we greet the challenges of our time in a way that brings out gifts we never imagined that we have to offer. And may we do so in a way that opens up what needs to be here, what needs to be happening for those who are coming. So as these human ancestral helping spirits gather around us here today, let's reach beyond the humans and remember that there is a whole lot of life here on earth that our own lives are deeply dependent on. And so let us reach out to all of those other energies that are part of the great web of life, those non-human energies in their many, many diverse forms. Reach out to them to appreciate the way in which great diversity exists in harmony. And let us reach out and appreciate the way in which great beauty is found in really beautiful complexity. And that in all of this, there is a simplicity that is the flow of life. And may we reach out to these ancestral helping spirits that are non-human. And may they help us step into that great flow of life and be part of this beautiful fabric of our own shared reality. And so as all of these helping spirits in their many forms are coming in and joining us here today, Let us call our own spirit in from wherever it might be. Let us begin to focus in on this one task that we have at this moment, drawing ourselves from our head to our heart, connecting in to the wisdom of our emotional wisdom body, drawing our energy deep down into our belly, connecting in to the wisdom of our physical energy body. And as a whole being, let us reach Uh, out to the earth and to focus on this single task of giving gratitude for this day, for your life, for all that has been on your path that has brought you to this moment, for all of the gifts on that path, those that you have opened and internalized and come to receive and understand and those that remain obscured. May we be grateful for all of it nonetheless, grateful for this moment and grateful for the future and the fact that we can change anything as we go into that future as long as we are still breathing and as long as we are willing to put some time and energy and love into learning the skills necessary to do it. 
And so with that amazing reminder of the incredible, compassionate space and generous space that we all live in here on this earth, let's reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth and give our gratitude. Gratitude as you move through the crust of the earth and down into the other layers of the earth, reaching out to the earth as a being, a being of great, great wisdom. And settle into that aspect of that wisdom that draws its strength out of the darkness, out of stillness, and out of silence. We reach deeply into those energies that renew and restore that energy that is before all that we would call abundance here on earth. So let us draw up the energy of the earth into our bodies, drawing into ourselves the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in a form, in a good way, with all the other beings that are also here in form. And we give gratitude to the earth for this wisdom as we draw this energy up and let it infuse our being. May we use the energy of the earth to teach us to take a stand in life, to know who we are and what we stand for, to take that stand in our own body with a kind of love and appreciation for that which carries us in our life. And from that internal love and appreciation to extend that out to others and their physical beings. And we take a moment to reach out into the family of humanity and begin to invite them all to that imaginary table as one, as one whole crazy diverse family. And as we do this, this recognize this is a way for us to learn to come into right relationship with all the inner aspects of our own self, to come into right relationship, not only with the other people in our world, but the rest of the physical world and all the other beings in that world. And let us come into right relationship with the invisible world. And in doing so, let us come into that moment where we recognize our place in the great oneness of all things and take our standard for right relationship from that. And from that place of oneness with all things, let us reach our energy up from our belly to our heart, our heart to our mind, reaching all the way up and out the top of our head and out through the sky and whatever amazing weather it holds for you to move through, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, reaching out to all of the great mysteries of our cosmos, all the heavenly bodies, all the energies that exist, reaching to that energy that is before all of that that radiant divine energy. And we reach out to that energy by whatever name we know it in whatever way we understand it. And we draw that energy in, drawing it down through all the layers of the sky into our head and our heart and our belly. And in this way, we call in the essence energy of blessing into our life. We call in the essence energy of protection and let it infuse us and radiate out to others we encounter in our day. We call in the energy of inspiration and illumination, innovation, and we call out to the benevolence of our universe. And as we draw these energies in, let the energies of the earth and sky connect through that great column of gold and silver light within you. And let the energy of these two great legendary lovers awaken that loving spirit of your own heart. And may the fierce loving energy that is inspired by life itself come alive in your heart. 
May your heart open to the power that you have in your heart to transform even what feels impossible. And may you draw up into your heart your own passion for why you are here in this life and draw down the crystal clarity that comes from the mind about what is going on in the world around you and how to bring your own gifts out into that world. And let these two energies come together informing each other and in that tension between their vast differences and great great wisdoms. May you come to have a firmer sense, a clearer understanding, a greater uh, passion for why it is that you are here. And may you reach into that very same human heart and connect with the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your gifts into full manifestation in the world. And for the endless amounts of spirit energy that we all have to support us in our endeavors to bring our gifts to the world. I give great thanks. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. One of the most prominent central energies in a true shamanic practice is gratitude an understanding of the interconnected of all things and to be in a state of gratitude for these things. So I would like to give gratitude to Kelly at Soul Intent Arts, to Firelight and Reiki Dragon and Miles, Kathleen and Elizabeth and all of the other listeners who have made financial donations to Why Shamanism Now. That um, as the show grows and the traffic to the site grows, the cost of keeping the site safe and um, unassailable and the archives available to you free grows as well. So I'm deeply grateful to those of you that offer your donations so that Why Shamanism Now can continue into its second decade to be listener supported. So I'm gratitude to all of you who offer financially and gratitude to all of you who find other ways to support and to develop the show, the show's audience, but also to use the teachings in the show to wrestle with them, to be frustrated with them, to come up with questions about them and help us to deepen our own shared practice of authentic shamanic work here in our contemporary lives. And so our topic today is, I've actually been building up to it for a couple weeks, but our topic today is appropriation and deep practice in shamanism. And it is a live show, so you are welcome to call in if you have questions about today's topic at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, and we give gratitude to our producers at Co-Creator Network. You can also email me, especially if you have questions about other shows, at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right. So as I was saying, we began this year with uh, yet another show about power. And power in many ways is like the word energy um, as English words that we have one word that we use to talk about many different things. But... This, this particular show that was two weeks ago, um, the 7th of January 2020, I think is the right date, um, the show was an invitation to revisit 
the quality of your relationship with your power, you know, as a being manifest here in the physical world, your power, um, and also the power of your helping spirit, uh, often referred to just as spiritual power. Okay. And the show was basically saying that it's really not enough to just open yourself to compassionate, sort of quote unquote, compassionate helping spirits and trust that everything will be good because the helping spirits are good. Okay. That, um, that's really not enough. If you want to explore why there are many shows about that and you can go to the show from a couple weeks ago, but in all encounters with power, from a shamanic perspective, with all encounters of power, you are the instrument through which that power flows or not or gets stuck or gets distorted, right? And so in all encounters with power, um, you are also choosing the actions or non-actions through which that power will flow or not flow you know that moves that energy out into the world and so the the real point of the show was it's not enough to just say compassionate helping spirits whatever they say is good because there's the need to tune your own instrument and also to deepen your relationship with your helping spirits, the quality of your relationship with your helping spirits, and thus the quality of your relationship with power, yours and that that you gain through relationship with your helping spirits. And so what you could explore then is what guides you. So that was kind of the essence of this show. And in an expression of your power, What is really guiding you in that? Your insecurity, your self-doubt, or your confidence, or your clear alignment. You know, that that anything could be guiding a person internally. And so the show is an invitation to explore that. What does guide you? Have you ever actually explored what is guiding your expression of power in your life? Have you explored this with your helping spirits? And you could start that by asking your helping spirits to show you in a journey, ask to be shown what guides me in my use of power at this time. It can be more than one answer, potentially. It can depend on who you're with, what you're doing. There could be different answers, but it's important as a conscious being of free will to know this answer, most people assume and never dive deeply in to what is really motivating their own power in spite of having a helping spirit that would be quite happy to show you that. Now, whether or not you can receive the truth of that answer is another element, another level of your own relationship with power. So another thing to look at then is um, in your expression of your power in your life, are you engaging your beliefs and your values through your actions? Or are your actions, let's say most of the day while you're at work, actually supporting other beliefs and values? Right. Uh, do, do, does your expression of your power through your actions – Does it express the deepest desires of your soul? 
like in other words, the why your soul is here kind of question, right? So again, you can explore any of these things by asking your helping spirits to show you, you know, what is guiding your use of power. In, you can define specific power, specific aspects of your life, right? And then you can also ask what would guide the use of my power if I were in right relationship with my power? What would guide the use of my power if I were in right relationship with you, you know, the helping spirit? Um, my, my, the point that spirit was trying to make in that original show is that we as contemporary people, especially people of privilege and power, tend to assume a lot about our power. It's a very unconscious relationship. And the invitation was to move beyond accusations of rank and privilege and actually start to explore it. Why aren't, you know, are you curious about the quality of your relationship with power, especially if you're amping up that relationship by connecting with helping spirits? So another important question always to understand is where do you source your power? And I mean you as a human being, where are you sourcing your power? And so many people source their power out of the trauma of their childhood. So this is not a healthy place to then be redirecting your relationship with spirit, for example. Some people source their power out of fear. Some source their power out of a perception of privilege and entitlement that they don't merit, right? And so exploring where you source your power, is it a strong foundation that you source your power from you can, that you can really build an ongoing relationship of mastery out of? Or is it a house of cards? Is it an empty shell? Is it um, something that is really rotten at the core? I don't know. Have you ever asked? So this was the invitation in that first show. And most important in that, not most important, equally important in all the things I've already said, was simply the invitation to look at do your actions, do the results of your actions, the actions themselves and the results of the actions, do they reflect what you value and believe in? So an, an example of that would be I, I often see in activists, people that are very identified with a certain cause, that people can get so frustrated and so um, exhausted and, and so, so beyond their own resiliency fighting for causes that the larger system so beautifully um, represses – that they begin to justify the very abuses of power that they're fighting against. And so, for example, there was an aspect as kind of a second-generation feminist of being basically told by the first-generation feminists how I should be and what I should think to be a real feminist. Now, that there's a version of that in being a real, you know, issues around how dark is your skin and does that make you the right kind of um, black person? Does it make you the right kind of gay man? Like this whole sort of argument that goes on within different groups about, you know, whether or not you're doing whatever it is that you're all advocating for right. 
Well, that in and of itself is exactly the same abuse that most of us are fighting against. And so there is a quality if you want to be a skill, actually, if you want to be a person of power and move that power, especially spirit power with the help of spirit in the world to create change, we need to cultivate the capacity to honestly look at our wake. And, and in other words, look at what comes of our actions and to discern accurately, given the fact that we cannot control how other people respond and we aren't responsible for how other people respond, given that, to still look back at our wake and see, are we propagating a different version of the very thing that we're trying to change? And so another version of really looking, do your actions actually reflect, reflect your beliefs and values. There is a show in the archives about the highly skilled wounded child. That's its title. You can just go search for it at the website. But part of the point of that show was that the highly skilled wounded child has very high beliefs and values as an adult. And yet because they are still moving out of the woundedness of their childhood in spite of their skills, right, they're basically propagating the same sort of fear-based cortisol response that was very real in that wounding time of the childhood in the adult life. And so just another version, there are many versions, but the point of the show was, can we look? Can we please use our relationship with our helping spirits to look at our own personal relationship with power and really look at what are our actions saying and if they're not saying what we'd like them to say, let's work with our helping spirits to change our actions. That's part of the value of free will is to create change, especially on yourself in the moment. Okay, and so then we moved on to the second show of the new year, 2020. That would have been January 14th. All right, and this was a show about using the word shaman. Now, I'm going back over this because I was basically in these two shows trying to lay the groundwork for today's show about appropriation because there is a certain group, certain thought, line of thought that says to even use the word shaman in and of itself is an act of appropriation. And I, I don't um, – I can see the logic in that and – if I look at where that kind of logic thread is going, because you can see the same logic thread in every single issue we are faced with right now, where there are groups of people that are unjustly held down and limited in ways by the system of rank and privilege and power that predominates in the Western world, but certainly I can speak for America since that's my home. Okay. Where was I with that? Right. Um, and so my point that I was trying to make is that yes, and we need, we humanity, the family of humanity needs to move together towards actual solutions at a much quicker pace than we are managing to do at this time. If we look at issues um, going on around us, particularly environmentally, but economically and politically, etc. Okay, so if we believe that contemporary shamanism is real, 
and that many of us are the practitioners of our time, then it is our job to meet the challenges of our time and to make the medicine necessary to transform the ills of our own culture. And to do that, we will be able to use some old practices like soul retrieval, and we will have to innovate some new practices. For example, the healing of the ancestral lines. Okay, just a couple shamanic examples. Along with all of the other changes and healings that will need to happen in our education system, in our economic systems, in our political system. And, you know, so it's like the, the spiritual healing that needs to happen is, I think, foundational for a lot of the other things that need to happen. But all the other things also need to happen. Okay, so with that said, and to that end, that show was an invitation to recognize or to entertain another perspective, which is that this function, the shaman function, as defined by the people from whom the word comes, in other words. So shaman, as defined by these Siberian people, is a certain function. They do a certain job in the whole template of a culture and a a society. Okay, And that that function is critical if we're going to actually do what we need to do going forward, that we preserve that function, that we preserve what it means in this this, uh, slice of human life called the shaman and the shaman function. Okay, that was the essence of that show. What is that and why do we need to preserve it? Therefore, I think we, in essence, should keep the word alive and – to tend that essence, which meant two things, basically, is all of the ways we're using the word inappropriately should stop. We should all accept the fact that that is appropriation and knock it off. And in the many, many cultures that have many different kinds of practitioners, we should educate ourselves enough to, A, use their own words to describe their own practitioners. In my culture, which is pretty much white America, right? Um, these from which I come, a very white town, is we don't have a word for it. We need a word, right? There, and that the very forces in a culture that cause us to drop words or to never have had them in the first place are the very people that need to be educated around what they've lost or they never had so that they can use it to heal. So that was the invitation really in this second show is that we actually recognize our need to work together to go forward and to preserve these critical functions necessary to, to make the medicine that we need. You know, so anyway, listen to that show. I'm not going to bore you with that whole show over again today. Okay, so basically the point of the show is to imply that shaman actually means something that is very clearly defined by the people who made up the word and that we need to preserve and tend that role of the shaman function and not allow the word to lose its meaning by being used from everything from yoga to tea to uh, the most recent book I got was about um, sex shamans, Um, you know, just using it for advertising, for example. Um, It means something. 
you know, think about it. My, you know, my name means something. I, I have an identification with it, right? My name means something to me. If the world started using my name to mean everything so that my own identity was just washed away by the vast and irresponsible use of my name. I mean, that's basically what's happening when we don't tend the essence of something, tend the essence of something that is critical. I'm not saying actually my essence is critical, but the point is things like love, honor, integrity, shaman, child, true child, true sage. These are essence energies that matter we need to tend them well. So that was the argument of that show. And, and you know, I mean, it's an invitation to perhaps think about things differently so we can move the conversation on to how we work together to solve problems. Okay. So which brings us then to today. It's a show that I wanted to talk about appropriation. So... Appropriation is a choice to steal, okay? And then it's a choice that is alive and well in contemporary shamanism, um, okay? And I've never done a show directly about it. I've had guests on to do a show about it. I've brought it up with particular guests that I felt maybe they were dancing around the point and needed to talk about it more directly. I have my own strong opinions about it um i believe like power and like the word shaman that you need to educate yourself to have a conversation about it in the same way um people of color are basically saying to their white presenting friends educate yourself if you want to have a conversation to me about rank and privilege Right. And so it's the same. It's all the same kettle of stinky fish that we have simply passed the point at which it's acceptable to remain unconscious and uh, in your blissful ignorance. Okay. So the reason it's taken me so long to do a show about appropriation because there's always been something about the conversation that niggles at me. It irritates me. It's like the unspoken part of the conversation. So again, there is nothing about today's show anybody should take away that is me saying in any way that appropriation isn't alive and well, real, and a big problem. It absolutely is. It absolutely is theft. But see, that's exactly my problem, is that we don't simply talk about it as theft, the theft of intellectual property, the theft of essentially spiritual property. That, that's because the things that are being stolen are not sort of owned by the white people. They're not treated as valuable things that are being stolen directly. Like we just don't we, – we create this other word – now, granted, the thing the other word does, appropriation, is it honors the fact that there is a vast rank and privilege difference between the group that has and the group that is taking what the other group has. So that's the part 
about appropriation that is really valuable is it talks about how basically the colonizing forces are taking what isn't theirs to take. All right. So, but taking what isn't yours to take is theft. (laughs) So the problem with appropriation is the same problem with racism and sexism and all of these other things is it allows the system that exists to force those who are trying to change it to spend all of their time and energy defining what it is and proving that it's real. Like we can never have – like the conversation about appropriation almost never gets beyond what is appropriation, that it is real and arguing about that. And I feel like have we learned nothing from the efforts towards equal rights or the efforts towards civil rights and that the way in which so much – Um, intelligent energy, heartfelt energy, um, spiritual energy is wasted in constantly arguing and defining and proving that the problem exists. Instead of just talking about it flat out as the theft of intellectual property. You can walk into any boardroom in America, which are largely going to be filled with, you know, straight white men, for the large part, and talk about intellectual the theft of intellectual property and you will have their attention. They're not going to argue with you about whether it does or doesn't exist because they're all trying to protect theirs. It's exactly the same thing. And the fact that we don't speak about it in that language I feel is part of the problem. Is that the fact that we don't speak about issues of civil rights with really clearly – about abuse of power, that we're constantly naming the abuses of power clearly for what they are. And similarly with um, equal rights in terms of um, women, basically, and whether or not they get equal pay for the same or better work. Okay. For me, it all revolves around a way in which we continue to allow the system the very system we're trying to change to seduce us into not being effective, clever about what's being done to us and therefore more effective about creating the change. Why am I bothering on a podcast about shamanism to say this? Because the trickster made this world. Because part of the value of a shamanic cosmology and really on deepening your relationship with spirit is in a shamanic world, the trickster is always in the mix. And it's the trickster that can look at, for example, the history of equal rights in the United States, the history of civil rights in the United States, the history of this freaking ongoing conversation about appropriation, not ever being accepted and validated as a thing, right? The trickster looks at that and goes, what are you people doing? It's the same thing over and over and over again. Be smarter than this. Learn from the first time. Stop wasting your energy arguing and validating about what it is. But start acting as if we all already know because we do. We've got words for it. Use it. And then what? What happens after we accept that it's real and start to have to then look at changing it? So this is, again, 
obviously I'm on a theme, right? Which you may be tired of already, but my theme is this year, let's actually use shamanism and recognize it means we can't think the way we've been thinking. That the trickster is in the mix at all times. We need to be more clever. We need to be more vulnerable. And we need to be willing to take different kinds of risks. And, and I say that very aware that I am not saying you know, Native American peoples or just indigenous peoples, first peoples of the world, people of color, of all color, women need to take more risks because they're already taking more risks every day, every single day, taking more risks. Right. I, I'm more speaking from Trickster's perspective of specific risks of the current dynamic that would create a change in the dynamic. So from a Trickster's perspective, for example, protesting is something the system in the United States and many countries, right, already accepts as a right of the people to protest. You can gather as long as you get your permit in the United States. You can gather, you can do your thing as long as you're not violent. On some groups even get away with that. Okay. It's already part of the system. So the trickstery thinking would say, how could you be clever in a new way? How could you take a risk that doesn't just play into you being arrested? What, what else could we do? Now, I am not today proposing answers. And actually, I want to circle back to appropriation and really talk about it specifically since it applies very directly to our shamanic lives, basically. Um, what I'm inviting us to do is to dig deeper. And I actually think if we were to be very sober and honest with ourselves about how we have already appropriated in our ignorance, right? And, and in it, okay, let, let me remind everybody about the way I understand the word ignorance, which is that as human beings, we are in our lives learning. And if we are truly ignorant of something, it is really easy to make a mistake because we honestly don't know. Now, if we learn from that experience and sincerely endeavor to not make the same mistake again, then then we learn and we grow. That's the point of being here. So in in many ways, no one is guilty of the mistake that is truly made in ignorance. They're responsible for it and they need to learn from it. Where the hammer comes down is when you do it again. Because then you're just sort of choosing to be stupid. You're just choosing to not learn from your experience. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about um, – the very systems like sexism and racism and appropriation, these systems of abuses that where something is happening in ignorance, it's not being learned from. And so this unconscious adoption of sexist thinking, just because it is the, 
the air that we breathe in a certain society, we don't get to get away with not actually investigating that personally. And thus the show about power, start to investigate your relationship with power. Once you begin to investigate that, you can start investigating your relationship with your inner masculine, your inner feminine, your relationship with your inner, you know, once you reinvestigate your relationship with power, you can start to reinvestigate all of your inner relationships. Okay. So appropriation. So cultural appropriation almost always involves members of the dominant culture taking from cultures of minority groups. And so, In other words, you have a designer, for example, taking cultural images, let's say in traditional ritual clothing, for example, and just taking those images because they're beautiful and then using them in and reinterpreting them into contemporary fashion. And the reason that that is problematic is because those images mean something very specific to those people, that they're owned in a sense because of their deep meaning and that it is deeply insensitive. It would be like um, taking my grandmother right, and then using an image of my grandmother to speak generically about old women in a way that is um, stripped of respect and honoring. And so that's what's happening as we're taking these things because the people taking don't hold an equal value for this other culture's things as they expect us to have for theirs. Right? Okay. So, And often that comes out of the ignorance that someone's uh, clothing holds a deeper ritual meaning because the person who's ignorant of that has no ritual anymore in their culture. So whenever we're involved in wanting to change these issues, we're involved in ignorance and willful stupidity or simply willful abuse of power and a range. And this is why the conversation requires a kind of education, a kind of hardiness and resiliency and a willingness to understand, are you talking to someone who is truly ignorant of what they're doing? And this is the moment where they get to be uh, relieved of that ignorance or someone who's been here many times before. And they are being willful in their denial. Or are you talking to someone who's actually quite conscious of their abuse of power and are planning on doing it again anyway? These are different people. These are different, different, um, different positions from which people can be engaged in the conversation. And so we have to pay attention to that. Okay. So, ah. Uh, So when I feel the feeling that something is being taken, like by other teachers or practitioners when they appropriate my own teachings as if they're theirs, right, it isn't exactly cultural appropriation because we're of the same culture. 
again, cultural appropri appropriation itself is talking about the difference in this kind of rank, privilege, and power in the way these things are defined by the dominant culture, the colonizing forces. So cultural appropriation includes taking intellectual property, traditional knowledge, cultural expressions, artifacts, the unauthorized use of other of a culture's artifacts, of their dances, of their dress, of their music, of their stories, of their language, sometimes of their food, if it's um, ritual food, um, of their traditional medicine potentially, and their, simply their rituals and their ceremonies. Um, spiritual appropriation focuses – it would be spiritual cultural appropriation, but anyway, it focuses on – the right relationship with and working with helping spirits, deities, and religious symbols. So the, the aspects of a religion, um, chants, songs, um, again, rituals and ceremonies. Okay. So the fact that we have this word appropriation at all, and then have to keep trying to define it and argue about whether it's real, from my perspective, is the problem that we all need to step beyond and move on in our conversation, accept that appropriation is real and engage from there. And, and in that way, we could potentially start to make some headway that we could all participate in. Um, So my point, really, I think I've made several times here, is um, the only real issue in appropriation is theft and whether or not someone is using or abusing their power in that dynamic of theft or being stolen from. Um, and so having the theft happen in the first place and then creating this whole other definition called appropriation, which means nobody gets to share anything in its most extreme manifestation, for me is a situation of two wrongs don't equal a right. You know, so if appropriation means I can no longer engage with anything having to do with any culture other than that of my birth – then it's not leading us towards living together in a good way. So in other words, that's not really the issue. The issue is that we engage in connecting as people of different cultures from a place of mutual respect and that we start to understand, for example, that a person's stories are their own would be a good example. So in other words, I witnessed a student that failed the teachings, teaching them anyway, my teachings. Now, this is not appropriation because we're the same culture, but it's a similar idea I'm trying to make. So I witnessed a person teaching my teachings, supposedly, and using my stories to illustrate the points. In other words, the reason the person had failed to be sort of certified to teach the teachings is they had not embodied the teachings enough to have their own stories to use to illustrate the points they were trying to make in the teaching. And so 
that's the feeling then of appropriation, of a thing that is yours. Your stories are yours. Your teachings are yours. Your rituals and practices are yours. Whether or not they are shared is your choice. And you are free to share them. If you're a white person like me that doesn't have a big track record or history behind you. The other issue is what if you're a person of a tradition of some kind that is hundreds of years old and you share the teachings without permission? Okay, well, what if the issue is there is no centralized permission anymore because colonization has destroyed that culture to such a degree there is no one to go get permission from? Now, I'm just describing different places people are in this conversation about appropriation. So what if you're carrying teachings of a culture that has been around for hundreds of years and because of colonization, the culture is largely destroyed and the teacher, the teachings are being lost and you're through your relationship with spirit, spirit, you're helping spirits want them to stay alive and that there are people that want to learn them sincerely and those people aren't of your culture, and the young of your culture aren't interested. Okay, so what if that happens? People not of your culture are learning your teachings, and then because they have not really engaged with their own abuse of power, they begin to take over their teachings and begin to behave as if they are the source of the teachings. That's another dynamic that's happening. So the discussion needs to be engaged with at a level, uh, slow down and engage with at a level of awareness that we can actually discern where's the theft, where's the power, why are people doing what they are doing, and what resolution do we need that, that rights the wrongs that have happened and moves us as a human family towards a future where there is a planet with a livable environment that our great grandkids, grandkids can live in. So how do you need to begin to engage with this issue of appropriation to be able to be part of that conversation? that quality of conversation. So one of the first things we need to do is to refuse to steal things. So in other words, in the path of your movement towards the expression of your power, your soul's purpose, and your genius in the world, you need to decide no matter who you are that you're not going to steal other people's stuff. That your own relationship with spirit is part of what makes you human. That the skills that people use to engage that relationship with spirit are shared globally and thus are available for you to use. And doing that, having a helping spirit and using skills to communicate with your helping spirits doesn't say anything other than the fact that you're human. doesn't make you in anything. just makes you human. Okay. So then where do you go from there? Okay. So. Are you teaching teachings that you gained in a weekend with another teacher without permission? Are you 
taking things you took off a website and reusing it as your own without permission? Are you taking things out of a book that is written about another culture's work and now teaching that as your own? When we refuse to do things like that, when we refuse to steal, we're forced into our own relationship with spirit. We're forced to deepen our practice. And so this is another invitation to look at, to really accept that appropriation is real and look at the degree to which you are or are not doing it in your life. To look at that honestly, without judgment or making your blaming or shaming or anything wrong, but just to look at it in the way that we're right now being asked to look at our own unconscious patterns around racism. We're look at our own unconscious internalized patterns around sexism. Our own unconscious and uneducated assumptions around spiritual power. Whenever we're willing to do this, to look honestly, to see accurately, and to respond skillfully, then we can release our false assumptions. We can recognize that what we thought was a belief is an assumption and that it's not supported by spirit. It's a false assumption and we can let it go and we can begin to attune to a real reality around us. In other words, you know, Andean shamanic practices are beautiful. Those teachings are beautiful as a people that are in deep, deep, powerful relationship with mountain spirits. And let's say you're in Colorado in North America, which is a state in the United States, for those of you listening from elsewhere, that's filled with massive mountains. So instead of importing Andean practices, learn from them why they're doing what they're doing and bring those questions to your own mountains with your own relationship with spirit and ask how you would accomplish the same thing. And so if we are going to stop stealing, right? we are forced to be patient. We don't have a shortcut or possibly a bypass to get to this this uh, way of doing things whole hog, right? Because it's not our hog. (laughs) We're stealing the pig from somebody else, right? So we're forced to be patient to cultivate our own relationship with our helping spirits, our own relationship with the spirits of the land, for example, in my Colorado example of the mountains, right? We're forced to not just import the forms from this other group of people that happen to live in gorgeous mountains and work with spirit there. We're forced to settle in and communicate with our own mountains, the spirits of our mountains, to earn that relationship, to earn the intent, attention of that mountain spirit and from that mountain spirit's attention to then find what are the practices to be in good relationship with the mountain and once we develop the practices then what are the communities that would support those practices to be in good relationship with the mountains what are the beliefs and values necessary to be in good relationship with the mountains as one example The same thing is true for people in the prairies, for people in the jungle, for people on the river, for wherever you are. 
to slow down and start again with your relationship with spirit, learning from the beautiful cultures around us about what they're doing and to find out not just to memorize their forms, but to understand why they're doing what they're doing and bring those questions back. So we're forced to slow down and be patient and to cultivate what is truly ours to teach. So, for example, when I learned journeying, I had to sign a release form that said I would not teach it. Everything I did with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, I was signed a release form that said I wouldn't teach it, that I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't steal that um, intellectual property. Now, there's a whole debate about whose intellectual property it really was, granted, but I did sign an agreement. And I honored that agreement. There comes a point in which you're encouraged to teach journeying with the foundation. And when I did that, I tithed 10% of what I earned. When I was living below the poverty line, I tithed 10% of what I earned back to the foundation. And that I gained my own teaching stories, right? I stopped using the teaching stories of the foundation and started using my own teaching stories. And when I realized that through my own relationship with journeying and teaching journeying, my own teaching stories began to divert from the standard operating procedure of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. My suggestions started to divert from their suggestions. What I was teaching began to migrate far enough away from what would be a standard and acceptable Foundation for Shamanic Studies answer that I, I stopped tithing and stopped saying that I was teaching their practices because I wasn't anymore. By that point in time, I was teaching what my helping spirits had taught me to teach. And it took me a decade to get there. Okay, maybe I'm slow. But what I see in being refusing to steal is that we have to slow down, deepen our own relationship with spirit, and really respectfully understand what is mine to teach, what is not. What is mine to practice, what is not. And the final piece of this is not just you developing the depth of your relationship with spirit and then the depth of your relationship with the teachings, but the final piece that would allow us to deepen our practice if we're not going to appropriate other cultures' stuff is to recognize that part of the reason these other cultures have such powerful things to share is that they have cultivated mastery with these practices and with their teachings and with their ability to apply their cosmology to everyday life. And it is the respect for a path of mastery that I see is the first death when we accept appropriation and make it normal, which it is right now. It's totally normal in contemporary shamanism in the United States to just take things from other cultures and not even recognize that we're doing it in spite of the fact that the conversation is present in our shared reality right now. Is the need to sink in and to practice your relationship with spirit and let that come back and cultivate your relationship with self to deepen 
your embodiment of teachings. Are the teachings you got from another culture truly what aligns with you and the spirits of the land where you are? Do you truly have permission to teach these and to practice these? If so, fine. If not, don't. Settle in. Your helping spirits will take you to what is yours to teach. And ultimately to accept that all of these things require mastery to really connect with the power. It's not about tapping indigenous initiations and rituals and ceremonies to to fast forward you to your place of power but but about refusing to steal settling in and showing up every day at your altar every day with your helping spirits how to help me to do this in my contemporary life to build a true embodied working relationship with spirit so that stealing other people's things feels not only wrong because it's stealing but not anywhere near as authentic as expressing your own right relationship with spirit so i want to give thanks for the helping spirits for being around us at all times for the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all And for those of you that would like to begin to slow down and deepen your practice and your relationship with spirit and your relationship with power, energy body mastery online will be happening in February. Registration will open in a couple weeks. You can go to lastmasscenter.org to stay current on when registration opens. Um, Energy body clearing will follow that. Um, And then later on in the year, Shadow Transformation Protocol and a more advanced version of Healing the Ancestral Lines. These are the online offerings, and the online offerings are for you, Why Shamanism Now podcast listeners. So I hope to see you all in class this year. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.